The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. This is the aftermath episode of the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast where we talk about what happened. And boy, did some things happen uh, in, the, in the last Bengals game. Week two, the Bengals lose 27 24, a heartbreaker to the Baltimore Ravens. And we're going to give some thoughts, we're going to give some opinions and break down what we just saw. I'm Anthony Cazenza. He is John Sharon, and I am. I swear I'm not really that angry of a guy, John, but last uh, after last night, I pulled off my headphones and they snagged, as I told you before we took the air, they snagged my hat, they snapped, so I'm going headphoneless. I apologize if I sound a little bit different to you and to our listeners, but how you doing, man? How you doing? Owen, too. For, for a little peek behind the curtain, before we started recording, Anthony told me that story and he said that the, his phones got caught on his helmet, not his, not his hat. Did he say so, helmet? I, you said helmet, so I was picturing like you wearing a helmet, uh, whether it being like I'm so frustrated, I'm going to put myself in the game. Like I don't know, I didn't, I didn't question it. I was, I was curious if you're going to tell the story to to the fans, but I'm, um, I'm glad we got some clarification there. Oh yeah, yeah, it was a hat, not a helmet. Um, but anyway, that is, I, mean, I, I got to, and I was trying to reconnect them. The wire's still connected on them. They're wireless headphones, but the internal wire on them. Is still intact, yet they were just not connecting to uh, to our little platform here. So I'm going headphoneless. I apologize if there's any kind of difference in, uh, at least on the negative side, in audio quality, but I think we're okay. Speaking of low quality, that is the kind of football that is being played by the Cincinnati Bengals at this point in time, John. Things were a little better this week, but that's not saying too much based off of uh, what they put forth in week one. 
look here, we're going to talk about some different things. Um, I wanted to get your opinion on some of the things I touched on yesterday, though, um, on the, on the post game report. And hopefully people have had a chance to, to check that one out either on YouTube or the Cincy jungle Facebook page or on an audio streamer. Um, thank you, Rob. Rob says the audio is good. So, Hey, all right. Small victories, small victories. Okay. But John, um, I pointed out some differences and even a couple of similarities between the 0-2 starts for these teams and last year's team and this year's team. There are some points scored disparity less this year, about 10 10 points collectively less this year than last year. Uh, A lot more points being given up by the defense this year as opposed to last year. Burrow turned the ball over far more, especially because of that Steelers game, than this year, only one turnover. Um, yet the team is still 0-2. I don't know. What do you what do you make of it? I mean, is this because the talking point now is well, they did it last year. They came back from it last year, so they can do it again this year. Do you I mean similarities, differences? Do you buy that? I, I don't know. Uh that was some of the things I talked through last night when I was solo. Definitely a groundhog's day uh vibe going on here <laughs> for sure. Yeah. It it's it's definitely it, it's strikingly similar to I mean, the offense was a whole nother level of inept in week one this year compared to last year. Like last year was mainly just Joe Burrow turning the ball over uncharacteristically. They still put up points. They still put together drives. But still, like it took them about six quarters offensively both seasons now to look functional. And another similarity, too, because people are talking about the defense a lot, is that last year, like when they played the Cowboys, the defense kind of got taken aback a bit. They gave up some, some big explosive plays on the ground. And they played a backup quarterback in Cooper Rush, and I don't think they were necessarily prepared uh, properly for the offense that the Cowboys had with him at the helm. And I think a similar case was to be made against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Um, Tom Mockin obviously is the offensive coordinator there now. It's a completely different offense with uh, Mockin calling the place. It's a lot more 11 personnel. And I think the Bengals kind of, didn't really prepare that well to face a new Lamar Jackson offense because like we talked about on the show, the plan in years past to face Lamar Jackson isn't necessarily to go all out and and rush him and try to, you know, penetrate the gaps as much as possible. It's more just to stay back and contain. Well, there was plenty of that. Uh, There was very few amount of pass rush wins from the Bengals defensive line, whether that was by design or not. And it just allowed Lamar to just, just cook in the pocket and he got like I think on average like three and a half seconds before every throw, and that's that's really tough for your secondary to cover for that long for for that extensive amount of time throughout the entirety of the game. And when Lamar was you know being as accurate as he was, it's just really hard to stop him. And he was definitely in a groove, and he was definitely feeling himself. And even in the few times when he wasn't pressure, he wasn't trouble, he managed to get out of it because he's Lamar Jackson. So this is a this is a new Ravens offense. The Bengals have to be prepared for, and I think it was evident when Lou and Rumo was talking to media today. Like you know, they, they just weren't really expecting that type of passing game from the Ravens, and that's on preparation as well. But honestly, Anthony, like it, this, this, this still comes down to the offense. I think because, in my own professional opinion, I think the defense has earned a bad game or two where the offense maybe picks up their slack, and that's that's just not it's not been the case even when the Bengals have been good in the in the past few years, and it's just really hard especially when your offense, I think, runs like, what, eight or nine plays in the first two drives and your defense is out there for three times as much. Like, eventually, they are going to break down, especially against a team that runs the ball well, uh, as well as as well as the Ravens do. So it, it was obviously, you know, 
a, a bad join from both units, but they both kind of built upon each other and how the, the, the collapse kind of ended up. So you, you surprised me a little bit with this question that we're throwing out here, blame it more. And we want to hear from the live viewers as well. Or if you catch it after the fact, you want to, you want to get in touch with us about what you think the bigger problem is the offense or the defense to this Owen two start. Um, quite honestly, I, you know, I, I, I was ready to maybe contradict you a little bit because I thought you were maybe going to say defense based on how you started that, but I, I'm with you. I'm with you. And last year it was the offense as well. I mean, the, that, again, you, you turn the ball over what five times against the Pittsburgh Steelers in the opener, you're not going to win that game, uh, even though they were in position to win it, that you're not going to win that game. Um, so that being said, uh, you know, I look at this and I look at, I, I talked about this last night on the, uh, on the post game show. You, you touched on it here to start the game. You know, you let the defense lets up this huge drive, 13, 14 plays, 75 yards, half a quarter is gone. Okay. So then you, your offense trots out there, three plays, two yards, boom, your, your defense is back on the field again. So it's, and then it's a six play drive where they get a field goal on that. I think there was not, maybe not a great punt by Brad Robbins on that one, or, you know, it just, they got decent field position, but they moved up. Um, and so I, or maybe that was the missed field goal opportunity there. If I'm, if I remember correctly, but regardless, they're out there again, they're in position to get points. And then your, your, your offense comes back out on the field again, three, three and out two yards. Um, and then they come back out uh, another time. They don't even get offensive plays because of the Chuck, uh, a fortunate punt return touchdown, but they're just not getting rest. They're not getting respites after, you know, yeah, they let up points. They let up long drives. They are not getting rest. And then last week, you know, I got cooked over at Baltimore beatdown on the five questions uh, by some of the, the commenters and Ravens fans saying, I don't know how this guy can say that the Bengals defense looked good last week. Well, I say if you're in Cleveland and you let let up less than 150 passing yards to Deshaun Watson, you sack him three times and you create two turnovers and your offense doesn't turn the ball over, you should that that's usually a formula for success and not a 21 point loss. So to me, I don't I, I look at this, especially with the the weapons that you do have on offense, the lack of explosiveness that we are seeing on offense, and then really, you know, for the you know, a, a really poor decision by Burrow in, in with that interception in the second half there to start off the second half. I, I'm I'm pointing the finger at the offense, uh, even though Joe Mixon is your most consistent player right now. Yeah, I think getting the ball um, off of a rare miss, just Tucker field goal at about the midfield to go three now after that is just that's that's wasting points right there. Obviously, turning the ball over in the red zone, that's a 14 point swing because then uh, the Ravens scored a touchdown like a few plays later. There was just a lot of individual moments, even like both Jamar Chase. I think all three of the Bengals receivers, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, at least had a chance to get a, a, an extra touchdown in this game. And they all either dropped it or they were out of bounds. Like like one of the, one of them was more clear than the other. I think T was had like the um, the smallest chance of actually making that possible. But there were just a lot of points left on the board. And I know people want to have these sweeping generalizations or conclusions after two weeks as to why the Bengals are 0-2. Um, a lot of this, guys, this is just a week-to-week stuff, though. and It, it can be identified in very specific um, situations, very specific moments. And the offense, I think, there's, there's going to be the conversation of, yes, they found their footing. They put together actual scoring drives. Unfortunately, though, right now, 
the problem is like there's there's a clear understanding that the offense has not taken the evolution that it was supposed to take from last year and it's probably because they don't want burrow doing too much they don't want him moving around as much there was supposed to be this huge emphasis on play action getting under center to create explosive plays they were all they were 100 shotgun yesterday and that was probably by design because again the one time we saw burrow the couple times we saw burrow roll out he didn't exactly look like himself and then what happened happened so like there's still the, the staleness to the offense just because there's just there's probably only so much that they want Burrow doing. And now it's just a question of whether or not he can actually play. And yeah, it's just it, it, it's tough to, you know, kind of generate explosive plays the way the way they wanted without implementing all the stuff that I think they wanted to do from the offseason. And we're just not seeing it yet. And also credit to Mike uh, McDonald phenomenal defensive coordinator i think the geno stone interception was a phenomenal play by him it was a good concept by the bengals offense too like they're, they're still doing decent stuff but raven's defense is also pretty good too so last year the Bengals were forced you talked about them running the uh all plays out of shotgun i think that was also something that was sent over to us by uh jordan schultz who does you know some analysis and and also some some reporting and breaking news stuff for the nfl he sent that directly to us which was pretty cool of him to do so um and and it was helpful information and so when you look at it uh last year the Bengals tried a lot of stuff under center to begin the year and then by about what was it week four week five we started seeing a lot more of the shotgun the rpo stuff and they reinvented themselves on offense not so much deep ball deep ball deep ball shots that they were doing over and over again in the first couple of weeks that wasn't working so they went more to a, you know a quicker passing style all of that some of that was to hide again the offensive line issues i think the offensive line is playing uh, you know sizably better than last year overall um and you're having success with mix and running the ball but is this a time now based on that data that you, you're, you're talking about and Jordan Schultz put out. I mean, is this reinvent again? Or, because I had a, a day to think about it, because I talked about that last night. I had a day to think about it. They were getting in some rhythm finally in that second half, moving the ball, getting in the end zone. Um, or was that fool's gold because you're just kind of playing catch up at that point? I, 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 I'm kind of battling about where we are with this offense right now. I don't think it's... <sighs> Fool's gold is not maybe the word I would use. I, I would just say it's very reminiscent to last year where even the, the first Ravens game last year at Baltimore, it was the end of the game. It was a low-scoring game, but it was the end of the game. There's like, I don't know, like 10 or 8 minutes left, and the Bengals go on this long drive because they can't create both plays, but they march down the field, and they end up tying the game at like uh, 16 or whatever, and then that they leave, they leave some time on the clock for the Ravens to drive down the field, kick the game winning field goal and not enough time for them to get the ball back. If the Bengals were in position to maybe generate an explosive play and score quicker then the Ravens would have had more time on the clock. And then who knows what would have happened. Some, some, basically the same thing happened in this game when they drove 16 plays for 80 yards for a touchdown. And they left three minutes left on the clock for the Ravens to essentially chew the clock out because they were running the ball really well. So like both their touchdown drives were at least 13 plays long they only had like i think one explosive play in this game and it was arguably the most creative play call in the game when they had the play action you know jamar chase motion towards the opposite side of the field a rollout for joe mixon who had ample space to run for like 30 something yards or whatever so not having those explosive plays will will 
put this offense back to where it was last year, where they were efficient, they were successful on a down per down basis, but it just creates very long drives. And that's what the defense wants, man. Like I know people are going to be continuing to harp on getting the run game more involved. If the run game does also not create explosive plays, defenses will just beg you to just get four or five yards a carry and just pray that you mess up at least some point in your 15 16 play drive if you cannot stretch the field and the defense just keeps everything in front of you eventually you will mess up and unfortunately the Bengals messed up one too many times in this game and so until they figure out a way to get those explosive plays back into the equation and maybe that doesn't come until burrow is 100 percent these these issues are still going to persist Bengals offense is just not where it needs to be right now and again a lot of people are going to point at zach taylor a lot of people are going to point at the play with joe burrow it, it, it's a lot, and I think there's more nuance to it than we're giving it credit for. I think the Ravens' defense, despite their injuries, like, again, Geno Stone played incredible in, in the place of Who's Marcus gone? Williams. And again, are you, are you, I guess, are you confident in the way that the the latter part of this game went and it, it's now, okay, hey, it just took time, be it Russ, Burrow gone, all that's taking time. We're going to start seeing the corner being turned overall here. Or is it adjustments needed like it was last year? And, you know, I, I heard what you were saying about the run game too, and that makes a lot of sense. So I I just am wondering about your confidence level in what we saw towards the end of this game yesterday from the offense. I, I think, like, the more I think about it, like, people are going to look at, it's a lot of the checkdowns or like the swing passes that I think are irking people. And part of that is I think Burrow getting a little bit too quick. Like the middle of the field was involved a lot more in this game than it was, it was. compared to, to, to Cleveland, specifically yeah. with Yiggins. It's like he had a really good game. And we saw like Burrow be more crisp and decisive on some of those in breaking routes. Unfortunately, that's where the interception happened as well. But I think right now, again, I, I don't know how much of this offense is limited because of what Burrow can and can't do in terms of mobility. We're, we, we saw some glimpses of it, like there was that that scramble where he evaded a, a pass rusher up the middle and he leaped out into the air. And you figure, okay, he's he's kind of back as well. But like we saw this kind of last year too, when he thinks that the defense is is giving him space for his running back to to get um, into onto the side, he's going to take that you know flat route and that swing pass, but sometimes in this game he was just a little too quick to get to that point and I, I don't know if, if he just didn't want to hold the ball for as long as he wanted to in, in case he had to scramble or anything I, I there's, a, there's just a lot of things that we just don't know and we're not going to get clarity until he eventually gets healthy if that ever does happen this season we won't know what the evolution of this offense I think at the very least though because again the Ravens are coached extremely well extremely disciplined we've seen like we, we saw their backups and their reserves you know, fill in well for the guys that, that were missing, right? So it's still a well-coached defense, and they were still able to generate successful plays against them. That, that's still a, it's still a net positive and still something that you can take going forward. But yeah, it's just, it's it's the, it's the stagnation compared to where they were last year and the lack of progression. That's It's ultimately why they're here right now. It's probably because of the injury. Okay. Let's talk about who impressed, who didn't. I mean, there's some pretty obvious ones on the who impressed. Um Charlie Jones, that was an outstanding play. I mean, that, and of course, the refs had to – the hockey leagues always have to be involved in things, and that's just kind of kind of their MO. And so it took a little bit of the luster out of the play when there was a flag and they were going back and forth, and what was it? Was it a block? You know, all that kind of stuff. Regardless, really nice play there 
from from Charlie Jones, and that was the first touchdown of the Bengals' 2023 season right there. Um, so he impressed me. Obviously, T. Higgins, eight catches, two of them for touchdowns. That's impressive. Who else do you have that impressed you this week? Well, I want to give uh, Charlie Jones some more credit with, with just some some quick history here. It was the first Bengals pump return for a touchdown since week two of the 2012 season when Adam Jones did so against the Cleveland Browns. It was, I believe, the uh, seventh longest pump return for a touchdown in Bengals history. It was only the 17th Bengals pump return in uh, franchise history. And like you said, it was the first touchdown of the season. That's the first time that the Bengals' first touchdown came via a pump return. And it's only the second uh, pump return for a touchdown for a rookie in this decade, uh, aside from Marcus Jones, this decade being the 2020s. I think uh, defensively, though, like I think DJ Turner stepped up pretty well against Zay Flowers. Like Zay Flowers, like uh, he had that vertical route over Cam Taylor Britt. Phenomenal throw from Lamar Jackson. That's just an elite quarterback doing elite quarterback things. But there were times when DJ Turner was asked to cover Zay Flowers in the slot. And I think he handled that pretty well. I was curious as to what the plan was going to be to cover Zay Flowers. And it ended up being, for the most part, DJ Turner. So a solid game for him, especially as a rookie. Offensively, too, I think Orlando Brown has put together two, two solid games in a row. And again, the offensive line has looked pretty solid, too. Like Again, the Ravens aren't a blitz-happy team. I think they only blitzed uh, Burrow like a handful of times in this game. And he was actually pretty fairly well against the blitz. I think he was like 8 for 12 with a touchdown. So that narrative of Joe Burrow beating the blitz, it still exists. Even if he's not as mobile, he still gets the ball up pretty quick. But again, the offensive line is, is stable at this point. Jonah Williams had a few bad reps. That's just going to happen with him. Uh, fortunately, uh, like I don't think, I think maybe one was attributed, one sack was attributed to him. But again, when you're losing in front of the quarterback's eyes, it's easier for the quarterback to adjust. And again, the losses are far and few between for him so far. Yeah, Tim Lyons in our live Facebook says we definitely need to give the mix in the ball more. He's only had 13 carries each game. I mean, that's another guy. I guess it's kind of obvious. I I feel that he is running and looking um, really is some of the best. Even though it's limited touches, he's he's kind of looked the best I've seen him look in a while. Uh, I mean, he he had that great 2021 season. Um, I, I, he's running hard, and what I what I'm liking about Mixon more this year than last, John, was that he um, he's breaking that first contact. Whereas that was you know he's doing that far more often this year than he really in years past. That's kind of been the criticism with him. You know, big guy. He's he's got some decent speed for his size and everything, but big guy. He runs physical. And you're saying, man, why isn't why is he getting tripped up on first contact? That's not really the case uh, as much through these first two games here. That may change, but he's been someone that impressed me. I didn't really know what to make of the game by Dax Hill yesterday. He was very active up there in tackles. He was doing a lot of different things, and then he got tasked with coverage on Mark Andrews, where Andrews muscled his way into the end zone on that short play. Um, you know, I felt like there was a, some good plays from him again this week, but then, you know, he was on coverage for that touchdown. So what did you make of Dax Hill's game? And was he impressive to you this week? Yeah, I think, I think he was all right. I think Nick Scott, unfortunately, uh, had a few more blunders. He was, a, he was late to, to a couple of plays. And I think being late to the last play that he was in was ultimately why, uh, it was such a violent collision between him and Mark Andrews over the middle, but Dax Hill was fine. Thinking man coverage. Um, again, like it was a game where I think either it was against be it Zay Flowers or Mark Andrews, he was going to see plenty of time close to the line of scrimmage. And I think he had a good game. As far as mixing goes, I, I agree. I think he looks spry. I think he looks decisive and everything. 
again, though. Like, I, I hate to keep going back to this, but, like, even when Joe Mixon is solid and he rushes for, you know, a, a healthy yards per carry average, on early downs, like, the Bengals ran the ball 13 times. They averaged negative .08 expected points added per play. They had a successor at 38%. In comparison, Bengals were successful 42% times on early passing downs. And that's a terrible early down success rate for passing the ball. But it's, it still just shows you the dichotomy between how successful a run game has to be to make up for a lackluster early down passing game. So, yes, like if Joe Mixon gets the ball more, I, I think, again, he looks solid. But I, I just it needs to be extraordinary to have a meaningful impact on an offense if the passing game does not hold its weight. Yeah, I mean, it's not we know that for for uh, i guess in in my my dummy speak that's mixing in in the run game is not where this offense goes through i mean we 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 know that and so um it's i don't want to say it's an added bonus when he is running well or anything like that cuz you need some semblance of balance and you need effectiveness in the run game but that is you know i, I know people are harping for him to get 20 plus carries a game instead of 13 carries a game and there is rationale to that based on him in that you know 4.4 4.5 yards per carry average this year but like you said uh, sometimes there are runs on predictable downs or predictable runs on downs and um it, it's it's not of effective so they need to pick and choose they I do think he needs to get a couple more carries per game because he has shown to be effective but the other thing with it too John is I mean they've been down they've been behind exactly um, so you know it, it's when you're down 21 points against the Cleveland Browns on the road, you're not going to be, you know, kind of the rock potentially as much, especially when Burrow's still in the game there. Um, and then of course needing to, you know, you're down at, at times at home by 10 points in this game. So, I mean, it's just, you know, you gotta, you gotta be, be more effective and, and uh, you know, obviously get things going on the passing side and then things open up on the run. And we saw a little bit of, of that yesterday late in the game, but um, still, I think Mixon looks looks pretty good. All of that being said, um, you know, there's some there's some talk, and I don't I don't know how closely you've watched it, um, but there's some talk now about these safeties. You know, you mentioned Nick Scott, and he maybe had a couple of issues. Um, Dax Hill has had a pretty good two weeks, I would say overall. Uh, but the issues, I know we we all said, we just said earlier, like we we were blaming the offense for this start again this year more than the defense, but are, are you worried about the inexperience, the new faces, everything at the safety position and seeing some of the big runs given up and, and you know, all of these kind of bigger plays given up a lot of yards given up these first couple of weeks. Are you worried that that the loss of Bell and Bates is showing really, really early here, or are you pretty confident that, Hey, you know, just get them some more starts, let them play a little bit longer and we'll see things tighten up. Yeah, I, I again, I think um, Nick Scott, again, he didn't have his best game. And um, I think he he may have been concussed twice. And I, I don't know, like he suffered yeah. like the first hit uh, early in the game. Then he was allowed back in. And the second one was so violent, man. So like, yeah, it, it was not his best game. But obviously, it, I mean, more important things are at stake with him. But yeah, it's been it's been. We saw it in the preseason game against the Falcons where he was kind of slow to react and slow to pick up on things. And we can just attribute that to him being the new piece in the second year. But I think it is still going to take a little bit more time before he's fully, you know, immersed in the scheme. I, I, I'm not really that concerned with Dax Hill. Like I thought, I thought he was okay against the Ravens. I thought he was good against the Browns. So like, like we'll see 
what his role continues to evolve as. And, you know, we'll see if Jordan Battle gets more playing time. He also looked pretty slow uh, in terms of just being in coverage. So, again, he's a rookie, too. Um, I, I think, like, where Chidabe Woozy is right now is the question to me because they're limiting how much he's playing. Uh, rightfully so. He's coming back from a knee injury. But it's a great. it was a great throw from Lamar Jackson over the shoulder for the Ravens' final touchdown. But that matchup between Nelson Aguilar and your number one cornerback, you're expecting your number one cornerback to make a better play on the ball and to stay with coverage a little bit better. And unfortunately, that just wasn't the case. He just lost the ball. He was just a couple steps behind. And yeah, so like that, obviously, I think Awuzie not playing up to his level matters maybe a little bit more right now than the safeties to me. But um, it, it may have just been something that we should have expected earlier on in the season just because he's coming back from such an injury. Yeah, that, that play kind of surprised me. I think he came, I think it was out of the slot, right? Um, where he, it kind of, uh, mm-hmm. slot for lead. Yep. And, uh, uh, you know, yeah, Uzia just looked behind and or a, a little lost on the coverage, uncharacteristic for, for him on that. But, um, that was kind of a gut punch play also in, in the game, obviously. So, um, I, I, there's a lot of talk. I'm seeing it. Um, I, I haven't engaged in it much, but I'm seeing a lot of talk about Cordell Volson. Obviously, some PFF scores that he has been credited with the first two weeks have not been great. We talked about the offensive line as a whole seeming to be pretty, pretty largely improved off of many games last year overall. Um, but you still had this PFF grade, uh, this low PFF grade for Cordell Volson. And then, you know, three, three and a half quarters of good play overall from Jonah Williams. And then all of a sudden Clowney just takes advantage of him at the end of the game as well, giving up uh, two, two hits. I think maybe even one more pressure in addition to that, as well as a quarterback sack, um, you know, going up against Williams there. So, uh, you know, again, three, three and a half quarters of pretty good from, from Jonah Williams until the end there at crunch time when they're throwing the ball more. And then of course you've got these scores from Cordell Volson. What do you make of both of those guys? So Volson, I mean, it's been two pretty good defensive lines that he's gone up against, specifically on the interior. Um, the matchup has been pretty fierce, and yeah, he hasn't looked his best. It, it's still a question to me, like, what, what are the expectations with him? Because I think it's really, really dangerous when Joe Mixon calls him a future Hall of Famer, and there's all yeah. this talk about the second-year leap, and like, guys, it doesn't happen that quickly, right? These guys are, I mean, he's specifically still pretty young. I think he'll he'll continue finding himself, and again, like, the, the, the PFF grades a, a lot. Some of it is kind of baked into what the results of, of the bad plays were, right? So he was credited with two uh, loud hurries in each of these games. And I think both, I, I think when you look at the hurries that he allowed, it was in pretty critical situations. So the context of his specific losses are pretty significant. And for the most part, like I don't, I don't think Cordo Volson is playing so bad that he's holding back the offense. I'm not saying that that's what you're saying, but that's what anyone's saying. Um, I think the state of the offensive line is obviously in a little bit better spot where they can kind of absorb some of this lackluster play and they'll continue to see how he progresses and how he continues to evolve in the season. And, and again, with, with Jonah, for, like for the majority of the game, like he looks like a stable, solid right tackle, but you know, there will be a handful of plays every game where, you know, he'll be off balance and maybe a guy will get him with a spin move. It's more or less the same story, right? If you want to beat Jonah Williams, you set up to the outside and you go back in and that I don't think that scouting report is necessarily going to change. Um, he's an imperfect player. He's a very 
league average player. And that's kind of the the pitfalls that you accept for the player like that. But again, I, I don't think Jonah or Cordell, Cordell are holding back this offense necessarily. And isn't this crazy? Like, like we've mentioned now that the offensive line looks pretty solid and the Bengals are still low in two. It's just, you never yeah, know how these things are going to go. Yeah. So offensive line looking solid. Oh, and two and only putting up 27 points in two, you know, two games. So, uh, and, and seven of those came on a punt return. So really 20 points on offense. Right. Um, so mm-hmm. just, uh, yeah, not an ugly, ugly start for the Bengals and their offense. So let's talk panic button stuff before we, uh, because of course we want to end on such a happy note uh, before we get out, <laughs> before we get on out of here, um, we're going to talk Joe Burrow, and then obviously where you are panic wise with the Bengals own to start own two in the division to start the year. Um, we, I, I said, you know, that's I've talked about the importance a lot of, of getting a win, getting two wins leading up to these two games, and worst case scenario has happened, and now. Furthering that worst case scenario is Burrow appears to have retweaked his calf um, to what degree. I think they're testing it out and seeing. So let's talk just, I guess, holistically, your mindset around the Cincinnati Bengals right now with the 0-2 start. And do you liken this to the team that, you know, went on that 10-game win streak, including the postseason last year? We know we know they've got it in them, but it's it's a hard thing to imagine them doing <laughs> twice, two years in a row. I don't know. I don't know where 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 are you stand on this. Last year, we didn't talk about the idea of aggravating an appendix that no longer existed. It was impossible. I mean, like a calf and a soft tissue injury is obviously completely different. Um, when I hear players and coaches say we've been in this situation before, so we're confident that we can get out of it again. I understand why they need to project that confidence, but there's a reason why there's never been a team that went 0-2 in two consecutive years and made the playoffs in both years. When you're in this exact you're in a similar situation where your quarterback misses all of training camp because of a freak injury, odds are one of those injuries is going to be more severe than the other, and it has the potential to linger or just impact him for the entire season. And that seems to be what the case is with Burrow. It, it's not the, the the vibe that I got from it was not necessarily good. And I think just the uncertainty with the way that he spoke about it after the game, Zach Taylor kind of be mum on the word uh, during his press conference Monday. It's just, I, I, I think I would be kind of surprised if he ends up playing this week. I know they get one more day of rest because it's a Monday nighter, but man, like, just, just, just the simple fact that he suffered it July 27th and he was we he was visibly practicing and running like a few like two weeks after that we all kind of assumed it was like falling into that grade one um spectrum right where it's like a, it's a couple weeks uh injury or whatever the fact that he was still being f- notably bothered by it a month and a half later kind of signals to me that it was a little bit more than that and it's just it, it, it's tough, man. Like you, you hear Jamar back in August, you know, he was saying that maybe Burrow should wait until week five. And at this point, it kind of looks like he was, he was right because if he was, if Burrow was in a situation where he could easily aggravate this calf and pr- make it even worse like that, that's, that's really bad for the rest of the Bengals season. So I, I'm not here to say that Burrow is going to go on, on IR or how many games he's going to miss. But I, I think this, this specific situation is just worse because you have no idea 
about the state of the quarterback right now. So I'm not saying this is my hope or anything like that. I, I just, me, my gut feeling. If Joe is told by trainers and doctors that are looking at this, at, at, you know, his retweaking of this, I guess, or this continuing to linger, linger on, if he is told that this is not a risk of, you know, hey, if you go out there, this isn't going to, you know, tear your calf or this is, you know, it's not going to lead to an Achilles thing or anything like that. It's really a pain management issue and effectiveness through that pain management type of issue. My sense is Joe isn't sitting. My, 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 my sense is Joe would say, I'm playing through it. I'm going to be okay. And he's going to point to the end of this last game and say, look, we moved the ball. We were effective. And that was bugging me then, especially towards the end. Um, now, some people are saying it happened on that last touchdown pass, and that's uh, really where the, the issue came from. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my point is, is I think if Joe is told that there's not, this is just going to be an, uh, a nagging thing, and this isn't really a risk of a tear, an Achilles, a, a broken ankle, whatever, something more severe, it's more play through the pain and deal with it until it finally goes away. I, I I think he plays. I, just knowing who he, you know, knowing what he's about, who he is, and, and everything. I think he plays through it. Um, now, if the if there is a message given to him, like, hey, yeah, this could get way worse um, yeah. in in some capacity. And I'm not a medical professional, so I don't know precisely how this injury would affect. And I wish I had that kind of expertise to relay to our listeners and everything, but. I, I think if there's something where it says this could, you know, somebody tells him this could lead to something pretty bad. If you keep, if you don't rest this properly, then we're talking about missing time IR. But if it's more pain management to me, I think he says, screw it. I'm playing. Yeah. You, you, you said the magic word there, Achilles, right? That Like if it, this has the potential to potentially be what Aaron Rodgers was. And, that, and that's, that's very scary. It's terrifying. That's I'm sure that's what the Bengals are thinking right now. Like, they're one of the. I think they're the only team with an MRI uh, in the actual stadium. I don't know if if Burrow got an MRI right after the game, but um, I'm sure I'm sure he's either already got one or he's going to get one in the next couple of days. If that is if that is the concern, then I would expect IR. I, again, I don't know the, the specifics of if this is just a pain tolerance thing or if this like he 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 did say that he tweaked it. So I'm willing to bet that it is at, at least at the very least like a minor strain or it's just. Or, you know, whatever the case may be, but man, well, I was going to say something that I don't remember what it was now. Um, it's Monday. I get it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I get you. Uh, I just, I, I just think where the expectations are for this team, his, his drive, he's always, you know, he's always been that chip on the shoulder guy. Um, so I, I think if, if he is told, Hey, it's just play through the pain and nothing's nothing severe is, is coming from this. It's more just, you got to deal with it. I think he plays. And I think he, he's telling people I'm not sitting for anything at that point. Um, but, uh, you know, if it's, if it's something that could be a domino effect, and again, I'm not a medical professional. I wish I was, um, you know, we know, you know, your calf stuff can affect your Achilles. And then, you know, as, as some, some, uh, I think it's Elise here. Um, saying, you know, he can't push off his leg. He has limited mobility. Yeah. Um, but that brings me to then the question then, if if he, he does go on IR, if he does go, uh, you know, to, you know, to the bench, 
for a couple of uh, games or whatever. What what are what do the Bengals do? Is it Jake Browning? Is it a veteran off the street? Is it Will Greer? I mean, what 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 do they do? Um, I would be very interested to see what their what their remedy, short term remedy to this to this situation would be. And I know you you had the light bulb come back on, and you remembered <laughs> what you were going to say. Well, to, to answer your question, I, I think the, the, there's the, there's the frustration of why it hasn't the offense kind of changed to account for Burrow's injury. They would have to change the offense for Jake Browning. Um, I don't think that they can expect him to just operate at the same level of. A quick processing as they expect from Burrow when he's on the field. I think it would be Jake Browning. He is the official quarterback too. I think there's a good contention in the fan base that wants to see what Will Greer can do just because he had that phenomenal preseason finale. And that's the reason why he's in the building. Unfortunately, I think it would take a very bad performance from Jake Browning first before they actually get to that just because Greer is new into the system. But but we've seen crazier things in the NFL where guys are just kind of throwing there in there unexpectedly and they they're just they just ball out. They're just gamers. I don't know if that's Will Greer necessarily, but it would be interesting to see. Like, I think he, you had to remember too, he was an actual draft pick in 2019. It was the third round pick. I don't even know. If, I don't think Jake Browning was drafted at all. So as a pure college prospect, like he had more talent compared to Jake Browning. He just hasn't really had that chance to ascend as a starter. But what I was going to say though, is that when you're talking about like how this year compares to last year, if the Bengals drive had only lasted like 10 plays and they scored and they still lost, but Burrow didn't get hurt. The whole feeling about this would be monumentally different. Like it, it, it's uh, someone said to me on Twitter and I completely agree with them. It's a lot of projecting anxiety about what Burrow's going through. That's just piling on to the concerns about the team in general. But if Burrow didn't actually tweak his, his calf again and they scored on that drive, even if they still lost, there would be more sense of optimism going forward. But yeah. again, if you don't see that Burrow injury, then you're not really fearing it as much, but it, it was always, I guess, going to be a risk, and this is just confirmation of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, it, it obviously, and this is just a, a, a duh comment here, but obviously the Bengals turning things around after an 0-2 start becomes much easier <laughs> without, you know, uh, without these concerns for Burrow and, and him playing um, if he does not play. So you, you don't think a veteran – option out there you know someone lingering out there you think they're going to stay in the building if if it's not if burrow can't go yeah it just it just seems like their style to stay in the building um i think an outside signing would indicate that you know they'd be more aggressive and but i, th- I think that's also an indictment on browning and greer and i i don't think that's that's the route they're going to take unfortunately yeah i'm in, I'm in agreement with I, I think they'd at least give them a shot to see what they would what, what they do in a game or games and then, you know, if it's if it's just uh, yeah, yeah, then, you know, they'll, they may go the veteran route. But not, um, not Tom Brady right now. <laughs> no, no. Will Will brought up an interesting one here. Uh, Philip Rivers that would be <laughs> get him out of retirement. That would be an interesting one for sure. I don't know that he would be down for, you know, two games or three games or whatever. But uh, if that's if that's what or four games for IR, you know, whatever the case is. But interesting thought. Um, let's, let's get on out of here. I mean, this again, optimism is at a premium right now with this team between their start, their start in the division. Um, I do think in some ways the the optimism is there again, because of how, uh, the Bengals were able to kind of find some rhythm on offense at the end of this game last year. Uh, and then, you know, of course, popping the big play on special teams and, and finding a way to get back in that game. But, 
there are a lot of things that need correcting on both sides of the ball for sure at this point. It's, uh, I don't know if it's the worst start imaginable, but it's pretty close, which means they can only go up, go up from here, right? Right. Yeah, nowhere to go right? but up. Nowhere to go but up. Right. That's right. Yep. Yep. Uh, do you have any, are we doing mic drops on this one? I, I forget. Or is that, is that reserved for our Thursday night show? I think the mic is, I think it's already been dropped. It, it, it's remained on the floor since, uh, yesterday, unfortunately. Okay. I want to, I want to share something before we get out of here. It's kind of a mic drop, right. I guess, but, uh, this picture was taken. Let's see. This picture was taken yesterday at my house. And this, this guy here that you see, um, Apologies if it's a little small because uh, I, I guess I could enlarge it a little bit, but uh, it was on a phone, so I had to do a bet. That is Jason, and I, I just got to tell this little story. That was us kind of like grieving after the loss there, and he, he came and hung out in my new kind of studio slash garage, all that kind of stuff. Jason is a really great guy. I met him a handful of years ago in Arizona, and he came up to me. Uh, we, we were, I was at a gym of all places in Arizona. He came up to me and said, hey, are you from Cincinnati? I don't think I was wearing Bengal stuff. I was like, no. And he's like, well, you're the guy from that show, right? Um, and so he recognized me. I was very flattered out of nowhere. Um, and I, I, th I think I mentioned it at the time years ago when I met him that this, this happened. Well, it turns out he text messaged me um, this last week, uh, this weekend on Friday. And he said, hey, I'm at, it's a, a chain of gyms by your, by in Southern California. Are you, is this your gym? I said, yeah. And so I met him and we, we hung out. I got to meet his five-month-old son, his lovely wife and everything. Um, he was in town for a wedding. Uh, and so I said, hey, man, if you you know, if you got nothing to do, it's probably just going to be me at my house and uh, watching the game if you want to come and, and hang out. And lo and behold, he did. Coming off of a wedding, so you can imagine, <laughs> and 10 a.m., so you can imagine he's probably maybe hurting a little bit. Uh, but great guy, and it was really cool to, uh, you know, hang out with him, meet his, uh, meet his family, and uh, watch the game with him. So that was a picture of us. But great guy, um, and, and it's cool to. That's what's kind of cool about doing this this sort of thing. You know, uh, I'm I'm definitely not the best at, at doing all this stuff, but it's cool to meet all of the people and connect with a lot of different people, um, like cool fans and everything. So just a just a fun little story. Despite the loss yesterday, I wanted to give a shout out to Jason. Well, I mean, that's just a, a guy from California gets recognized by a guy from Arizona because he's talking about a team from Cincinnati. You know, that's just... <laughs> well, Jason is from Cincinnati, that. too, originally. Oh, okay, Jason yeah, is, yeah. He's from Cincinnati. He moved to Arizona. Uh, he went to college there and just stayed down there. That was, you know, we were, we were, I was getting all the stories from him. So, um, but yeah, he that's uh, that's that's how we met. And he, he, you know, once in a while, he, we'd shoot texts and stuff. And then he is going to, as I said, I'm going to the Arizona game in a few weeks. And uh, he's going to be there and, and go to the game. So we're going to meet back up again. But it was kind of a cool, um, it was cool, cool deal, cool deal. Kind of a cool, uh, I don't know, not twist of fate, but kind of just a cool, cool story, I thought. So I wanted to share it. That is nice. I think if I had a mic drop, it would be um, UC lost to Miami for the first time since before the, the housing crisis. And I was really depressed Saturday. And then Sunday kind of made it worse. So we're on to better things. Because that was the, that was we're rough. On, that was rough for me personally. We're on to better things, yeah. And, and going back to to my little uh, story with Jason there, you know that this Ravens game was one of the ones I was trying to get to. I'm going to still try and get to to next week, but we'll see what happens there. But um, that was one of the games, and I just couldn't do it. And so it was kind of cool to at least, you know, 
still be around someone from Cincinnati and another Bengals fan and all that kind of stuff uh, just with the story there. So cool stuff. Anyway, Bengals are 0 2. Um, thanks for entertaining my little, uh, my, my selfish story there, but it was, it was cool. John, thank you, buddy. And, uh, we'll, we'll be back on Thursday to talk about the Rams. We're going to, we're trying to round up a, a special guest here. So we'll, uh, or two. So we'll see what happens with that. And we'll let you know about that. But if you are new here, you can get this show talking football with Bengal Jim and friends, coach speaking chalk talk from Matt Minnick, as well as three and out with Jason and Kevin all on the Cincy jungle podcast channel through your favorite audio streamer, do us a favor and leave us a review. If you can five stars, if you would, but Hey, just leave us a review if you can, please. And if you like the video side of things where you can see lovely pictures like that, that I just showed you, you got to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. The show icon is underneath John and underneath that Cincy jungle icon there. So click that, click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. And then of course, uh, if you can leave us a, leave us a, a thumbs up on the videos there and you got to give a thumbs up to Cincy jungles, Facebook page with about 80, 80,000 plus people. And of course, I would be remiss if I didn't say go check out all the great work that John is doing at adzsports.com and get your continued analysis, podcast videos, and everything on cincyjungle.com. John, have a uh, good, uh, have a better uh, going on uh, through the week here as we as we charge through and talk about Monday Night Football coming up. Hey, you know, next Sunday, you won't see a Bengals loss. I can promise you that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, guaranteed, guaranteed not lost. There you go. Appreciate you, man. And thank you to all the live listeners and those listening after the fact. We will be back later this week with more stuff on the show. Take care.